This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my guest, Ellie Andy Oreo. And we are going to talk with Ellie today about daughters losing mothers. Hi, Ellie. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Good. I'm going to introduce you to everybody listening today. And I love that we are talking about this topic because, as I told you before the show, this is the number one thing that people are searching for, the number one loss on our site is people that have lost parents. So we are going to talk with you because you are an expert on what it's like to have a mom die. And you were very young at the time. You were, what, 26? 21 when she died. 21, wow. 21 years old. So you're going to give us a lot of information about the do's and don'ts of helping people after a mom dies. Um, let me introduce you out there for everybody so they know who you are. Ellie Andy Orio is a 26-year-old woman who lost her mother to lung cancer 12 days before her senior year of college. She recently completed a master's degree in social work at Columbia University and hopes to work in the healthcare field. Okay, welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about um, your mom and then and then how she died. Um, long story short, my mm-hmm. mom was a very successful business consultant. Wow. She did very well, and I generally always had more than enough. And things kind of slowly started changing towards the end of high school. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think she was tremendously serious about her financial stress. Um, and then I went away to college, and she ended up moving in with one of our family friends in order to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned the reality situation when I returned from school that, like, this is our new reality. So for the next, I guess, like, two to three years, we kind of couch surfed. Like, I... I got excellent financial aid, so I was able to attend a private school almost for free. I was a great student, um, which really helped as well. That's pretty amazing because throughout all of this, with your the, the deteriorating finances, you kept your grades. You were able to keep your grades up. Yeah, I pretty much excelled. I think I just like I remember feeling frustrated about like my classmates complaining that like they couldn't go on vacation, mm-hmm. but I, like that would make me so mad. I'm like, you, at least you have like a residence and an address, and you can like have a normal life and don't have to sugarcoat everything. But um so I think that just really helped me focus that like I have to I have to keep my grades up, like I have to keep my mom proud, keep myself oh. proud, keep the scholarship money coming in. Wow. That's a lot. And like you said, you didn't see other kids that didn't have this adversity. Did your do you think that your mom's I don't do you think that her health started first and maybe she got tired and that's why financially her finances started going you know what i'm saying no i think it had a lot to do with the market crash in 2008 but that makes sense yeah but i think her health crisis got to the point that it did because she wanted to keep pushing through yeah like she in addition to searching relentlessly for jobs she was in the process of starting her own company and she worked seven days a week full hour days wow yeah um, and she just kind of put her health last until, you know, one day she couldn't. Yeah. I was actually abroad during my junior year in the spring semester. And she said that she's been in the hospital, but it's just pneumonia. Everything's fine. 
Um, but she's like, the good news is that your grandparents agreed to help so we can finally have a home of our own. And that was like my dream for the past three years as well as her dream. So I'm so excited, so excited to come home from abroad. Mm -hmm. Um, I open our door and, you know, after chatting for a few minutes, she was like, we need to sit down and have a serious talk. They, they found a little bit of lung cancer on my lung. Um, but don't worry, everything's going to be fine. I'm at Sloan Kettering's best hospital in the mm-hmm. world. I'm part of a free clinical trial. Everything will be great. But she's like, by the way, this is a wig that I'm wearing. They had to shave off all my hair for brain radiation. Wow. Was that dramatic for you to hear this? Yeah, but she was like very like insistent that I like keep up the positive. Well, I love that about your mom. Yeah, she said, I still remember this. She was like, you know, but the upside is that I don't have to spend time doing my hair because I just put a wig on. I love that she like said, okay, how can I turn this into a positive and, and keep you in a good place? It yeah. sounds like she wanted to make sure you were in a good place. That's what was most important to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed pretty dramatic for stage one lung cancer, but I, f- I figured she was honest. Like it never occurred to me that she wouldn't tell the truth about something like that. But she did so to protect me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was worse than she said. But yeah, she didn't want you to worry, right? So yeah. I, um, she told me that I should go take a summer class up at school, and now I know because she didn't want me to see her deteriorating for more than I possibly had to. Mm-hmm. Um, I still didn't think much of it. Still thought that everything would be okay. I called her in the morning that I was supposed to return back to the city from summer school, and I told her that I'd leave around two and I'd get. To Penn Station around seven, and she just like couldn't wrap her head around that. She kept telling me how like I couldn't be at Penn Station at two o'clock in the morning; that she'd come and meet me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So maybe she started to get a little bit of dementia because of the cancer. Yeah, it was actually yeah. um, lung cancer that had metastasized to her brain and oh, spinal wow. cord. Oh wow, Ellie. Yeah, so she um, she told me she had a wheelchair and a walker if we need to go places that weren't incredibly close to home. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I get home from summer school, and I open the door, and my grandpa's there. He's like, go and say hi to your mom. She's in her room. And I walk in, and, like, she's not wearing her, wib, her wig. She has a tube in her nose, and she's oh, attached to a huge oxygen machine. Wow. This must have been really traumatic for you to see this. It was It was very traumatic. Yeah. Um, she, like, I knew something was wrong. She couldn't figure out that it was 7 o'clock at night, and we were going to order dinner. Wow. She kept saying, like, we need some breakfast. Mm-hmm. She just couldn't, and she'd get really upset if I tried to correct her. So I just decided to let her think that it was whatever time that she thought it was. And um, that night, she ended up going to the emergency room at Sloan Kettering. And then they sent her to um, Calvary Hospital, to the hospice section. And that's where she spent her last days. This all, this last part happened in like three and a half weeks. Wow, that's unbelievable. And it, it she it sounded like she deteriorated very rapidly. Very rapidly. I got home in May um, from studying abroad, and she was dead at the end of August. Wow. And you said, and this was 12 days before you started your senior year at Skidmore? Yeah. So that is a lot for you. You're only 21 years old. Yeah. You're about to start your senior year. Your mom is no longer in your life. How, I mean, how did you cope, and how did you do that? I just kind of thought that it wouldn't really be good for me if I just sat around Mm -hmm. and moped. I was like, she would have wanted me to finish my education. 
Plus, I felt like it would be better for me, but I, I just said to myself, I'm just going to kind of put one foot in front of the other and just do my best and not really worry about the grades just that I graduate. But it turns out that I did very well academically, which is always nice. That's amazing. So you just, it sounds like you stayed very focused and just lived one day at a time and just really focused on what you had to do. Yeah. I like that advice because I feel like a lot of people that listen to this show get really overwhelmed because they think about their entire future without their parent. And if we go down that road, it's like we almost can't function. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do was that it happened so quickly and I didn't have a lot of time to process it. So I was pretty much in shock. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't really seem real. Like I remember burying her and I was like, I, I can't even imagine that this is real. But unfortunately, it is. So a few days after she died, it sounds like you went up to Skidmore. Is that true? Uh, 12 days school? after. And the burial was two days after she died. Okay. And then you moved back to Skidmore and you lived up there with friends or an apartment or a dorm or... Uh, yeah, roommates. Wow. And then you just took it one day at a time and threw yourself into school, it sounds like. It sounds like you you always threw yourself into school though, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, luckily it was a small school and I'd had the same professors before, so they knew me. So I was able to inform them about my situation. And my only really request is that I might need extensions and if if I needed to, it'd be wonderful to get them, and they're very um, accommodating. I didn't need any. I actually, on top of my mom passing away, um, December during finals week, I was walking back from campus to my house, and I got hit by a car as a pedestrian. Oh gosh. Yeah. And so what happened? Did you end up in the hospital? I did. Um I landed and I was screaming frantically and someone that pulled over ended up working at Skidmore and she called the ambulance and she notified my advisor. I had a lot of people visit me at the hospital. They kicked me out first thing in the morning. Wow. Um, so I got home and I called my professors and told them that I can't really move so I'm not going to be able to make it to class today, but I think I can get everything done still. Look at you. Okay, your mom has raised you with an amazing work ethic. Yeah. And, and she sounds like she had this, she was the same way. Definitely. And also that she pushed through adversity in tough times. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of who you are too, hearing, hearing the story about you and your life. Um, what was it like being up at school uh, grieving? I mean, I know most of your friends probably had never been through the death of a parent, had they? No, I... I think I was the only one. I would think that. And did you feel like you had support from your friends or not really? I felt like like they didn't really understand. Like a lot of friends tried to tell. Like I'm sure they were trying to help. They were like, why don't you like get a new hobby or like you could write a book about this mm. or this could somehow like be a good thing, which I found pretty offensive. Like I just wanted to do the best that I could. But it seemed like it was either – you have to do great, you have to do great, you have to do great. Or, like, I had family tell me, like, you know, like, if even if you get C's, that will be excellent. Um, so it's either a lot of expectation or, like, underestimating someone well, in my that's, experience. Well, that's good information for parents out there that want to help, a, like a parent that wants to help a child that's lost another parent. So you're saying that sometimes people go one extreme or the other. Yeah, that's that's what it was. But if I were to give someone advice, I would just say take it a day at a time and do your best mm -hmm. and have accommodations available in the event that you need them. And it sounds like all your professors were pretty accommodating and saying, okay, if you do need accommodations or if you do need more time, we'll give it to you. Is that true? Yeah, I think um, 
I really established myself as a good student. Um, I rarely missed class, always participated, put my all into assignments, and they appreciated that, so they were willing to give me slack if I needed it. Did any of your friends say, Ellie, we want you to be the way you used to be? You know, do we want you to be, we don't want you to be grieving. I mean, were they intolerant or not really? One of them sort of was because I wasn't Mm -hmm. developing new hobbies or um, writing a Pulitzer Prize novel. But I mean, that friendship just faded out over time. Yeah, I'm asking that because I was 20 when my brother died and I was also in college. And the thing that I saw was that people wanted me, they, they were fine for about two weeks, my friends, but then they wanted me to be fun Heidi. And I'm, and I'm like, you know what, my life, I, I am I am going to get to that point, but my life has totally been turned upside down. Yeah, I mean, they didn't say, I want you to be fun, Ellie, because I still, I just tried to stay really busy socially. Mm, oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I thought that it would be best to keep myself in a good state of mind if I just continued to stay social and active. So it sounds like you were able to really find balance between social and academic and keep yourself really busy, even though your mom had died. Yeah. And it was a way to cope. Yeah, I think so. And I like what you said about some of the things that people say that aren't helpful. I found the same thing. I mean, at some point in our lives when we've been grieving long enough, we could hear, oh, well, you could maybe write a book. But initially, it's very offensive. It minimizes our loss. To say we have any kind, we could get any gifts out of it or have anything positive come of it, you don't want to hear that at the beginning. No. Because for us, your mom and my brother are gone. We don't want people to say that. It's it's so offensive, like you said. I really agree. And and you know anything that starts with at least, at yeah. least at least it was quick, Ellie. At least you said goodbye. At least whatever you know. It's you know people would say to me with my brother, at least he's in a better place. At least it was quick. At least you know all these at least. And I'm like stop. None of that helps me. He was in a good place when he was here. It doesn't help me to hear any of that because, like you said, it just it, it helps more. I mean, someone once came up to me and said, Heidi, wow, that really sucks. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> because at the, at the end of the day, that's, you know, you can't make it better. You can't fix it for us. Did you ever find that you felt people wanted to try to fix it? Well, they did. They kind of said stuff to you, right? Yeah. Or people would um, – like I got several invitations from people who are somehow related to me or friends of family, but – one of the things that bothered me was that, like, no one really noticed that I was around before my mom died, so I don't really want fake invitations. Plus, I honestly mm-hmm. just wanted to rest, which was really difficult because my family's very, like, keep going, keep going, like, very, like, strict and intense. Well, So they're all like that? Yeah, on my mom's side, yeah. Yeah. And do you – was your dad involved in any of this, or is he not? was he not in the picture? Um, no, I was raised by my mom. Okay. Like he was made aware that she'd passed away. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't a support to you? No. And are you an only child or do you have siblings? I'm an only child. Okay. So this is a lot. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, so who do you think was your support system after your mom died? Who did you turn to for support? Was it friends or did you kind of do it on your own? I had a therapist for a while. Oh, okay. Good. So what would you tell people out there that feel like, you know, I I think I might want to go talk to somebody what were the things that were helpful? What should they look for as far as in a therapist, or what are the things that you found helpful? I'm not really sure what I found helpful, but mm-hmm. I'd say definitely seek professional help mm-hmm. and definitely try to make people in your life, like whether they're work colleagues or classmates, like aware of the situation, how it might impact your performance. 
Um, and I would just tell them to make it clear that I'm just going to do my best. Nothing more, nothing less. I like how you're saying to tell people. Because so often after things like this happen, we, we hide it. And then people don't under If we end up acting any different, people don't understand what's going on. I mean, sometimes in my class at Columbia, and I know you graduated from this program at the Columbia School of Social Work, I have a, a week. I teach grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, a student will run out crying like or be really upset during the class, but I don't know what's going on. And, you know, because they haven't told me, look, I've had a personal loss, and that's why I'm upset. So I really won't know what's going on. So I like that you keep people informed and tell them, and this is what's going on with me, and this is what I need, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I always say this too, Ellie, for people out there that are, I like that you brought up the professional help piece, that are looking for professional help, shop around. If you go to a person the first time and you don't feel totally comfortable, find somebody else. Definitely. Don't you think that's so important? That's how I am too. It's definitely important. It, it sounds like you had a therapist that you really connected with and that was a really good fit for you. Yeah, I did. That's so important because you're telling them something that's really painful. And that did people feel like, did you feel like you ever hid your grief from people and kind of put on a mask and just put on your best face or not really? Definitely all the time. Like people mm -hmm. would say like, are you better now? Like in January and like, I don't know, like she's she's still dead. I think that was my response. And then I just changed the subject because what else could I really say? Yeah. And, you know, is she are you better is a kind of a, a strange question, but I can totally see people asking it. Yeah. The other question that everyone asks is, how are you? And it's really a weird question because, you know, they almost you almost feel like they want you to say fine. Yeah. And it's like and also sometimes we don't want to get into it, how we really are, especially if we don't know how the person's going to respond. It's kind of like you look at the person and go, do they really go down this road with them? Can they handle it? Will they be able to deal with it? That being said, I think it's important to realize who you can talk to and who you can't. Like at my age and even now, most people in their 20s don't have to deal with their parent loss and like their only parent loss. So I think it's important to rely on people that are older. Mm -hmm. uh, my advisor at college was really helpful. She taught my senior seminar class, which is a notoriously difficult class. But she um, she knew me for a few years, and she also empathized because when her kids were in college, her husband died. Oh, wow. So she was willing to help me and willing to, I guess, cut me some slack. Oh, I love that you had her. I do, too. And that you could talk to her. And, that you, and, and it's saying a lot for you that you were able to reach out and be honest and tell her what was going on and saying, even tell her that you had a mom die because you could have gone back to Skidmore and not told anybody. And I know clients that I have right now that are college students that do that. They don't want anyone to know, so they hide it. And it, like you said, it's not good because then when the things come up for them, people don't know why they're responding the way they are. So I really like that you had her. So it sounds like you found mentors and found people that could support you. Definitely. And what about the Internet? Did you use the Internet as a way of support or not really? Not like some really. Some people use Facebook and some people use closed chat rooms. No, and... I am very offended when people put their personal losses on Facebook. I feel like it's attention-seeking. Mm, okay, so that wasn't helpful for you, it sounds like. No. I If I see someone who said, who shares something about a personal loss on Facebook, I just have to unfollow it or defriend the person. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like now your mom is still a big part of your life as far as you're trying to do things to make her proud and, you know, thinking about her? I'd say so. And do you feel like she's still a part? Do you continue a relationship with her? And, you know, is she still a big part of your life now, today? I mean, I think about her all the time. Like, I'm still yeah. counting weeks since she died. So this wow. was over five years ago. 
Well, and that says, you know, I think that's important for everyone out there. It's been over five years and you're still counting the weeks. Because like you said, you were very young and you thought your mom was going to be in your life for a very long time. And five years is not that long when you think she was going to be in your life for a very long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for people out there that haven't had a loss, they think that that's a long time. When in reality, it's really not. Well, I know that she'd be very proud of you today. I hope so. I think she would. And uh, I think she's just, she gave you a great education and a great foundation. And um, if you had any any last word to say to people out there that have had a parent die and they don't know how to, they're going to survive, what would you tell them? I would tell them to take it one day at a time and seek professional help and just continue to do the best that you can do. Um, if others are pressuring you to do a lot more, just say thank you, but I'm doing okay as I am. Or um, if others tend to, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? underestimate you yeah um i would just and set the bar too low right i would just say i need to take care of myself but i still need to get things done i just have to do what's best for me every day and how i respond is different than how you may respond ellie i love this advice i re it's i think it's really really important and for everybody out there um if you've lost hope please lean on mine and lean on ellie's Thank you, Ellie, so much for being here today, and thank you for giving people hope out there that have had a parent die. Thank you for having me. Take care, and this is Dr. Heidi Horsley at opentohope.com. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.